We are very privileged. There's many that don't understand that, Brother Weiss, in our society. They don't realize how, how blessed we are. And uh, maybe we've been cursed with opportunity. I don't know. Because we could just about, you know, if we have a need here in America, we just about put our own hand to the plow and do something to, to get that need. And, and if it's available to us, I think we ought to do that. I think if we have the power to do it, then I think the Lord expects us to put our hand to the plow as well. But the other side of that is, is we can get so complacent, we can get so, uh, so good at fulfilling our own need in this life that we, we fail to realize there is a spiritual depth and a spiritual need that no thought process can get, can get a hold of, no contemplating, no human reasoning, no human plan can fill. And it's in those moments when we recognize that we need uh, to do whatever it takes to touch Jesus Christ. I do want to say to all of our fathers today, happy Father's Day, happy Dad's Day. We're so glad that you took the time to be here with us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, I appreciate our, our music team. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Sister uh, Hill. Thank you very, very much for your, your diligence, your practices, and putting those things together. Uh, it's kind of like a pastor, a music team, just like a pastor. Uh, once we get it perfected, we'll be in heaven. And so, uh, you know, uh, we, I sure thank, thank our music team for all of our diligence. I do want to say this uh, before we are, before uh, we go ahead and be seated if you'd like to. Thank you so much. Uh, after service today, we want to celebrate our dads with something that we started doing around here just a few years ago called Dad Fest. And uh, we kind of put some, uh, just some funny, funky dad things together. And uh, right after altar service or main service is over and we dismiss, uh, there's going to be food prepared and, and provided for us down in the pavilion. Uh, they're going to, I think, I think they got some burgers and some dogs and uh, they, got, they got a bunch, they got, they got if you're hungry, you, you'll be fine. And, um, and I know uh, if you're feeling manly today, even some of you, if the Lord tarries, would be dads after you say, I do. Um, uh, there's log splitting going to happen out there. I think axe throwing. So I know, I know you've been honing your skills at home, throwing that axe, trying to hit the back of the barn there. And uh, I think there's a, there's a golf there's a golf chip game out here. There's going to be volleyball and cornhole and all those things. So Dad Fest is going to happen. So we endeavor in uh, our Father's Day service when we have Dad Fest to expedite that because we know that uh, you may even have something planned uh, with other family members later in the day, and we want you to be able to participate in as long as you possibly can. Uh, last but not least, next week in our adult class downstairs, I will begin. Uh, speaking and teaching on the book of Revelation, uh, Revelations, and I, I know uh, there's no shortage of opinions when it comes to that book, and so uh, show up next week, maybe hear another one, bless God, but uh, no, there's some things that have been in my spirit, and I think there are some things in the scriptures that we must consider, and we must earnestly contemplate some things 
and I think, uh, so we're going to begin teaching on the book of Revelation next week in our Sunday adult class. The top 10 things that you'll never hear dad say. Well, how about that? I'm lost. <laughs> Looks like we'll have to stop and ask somebody for her directions. Number nine, you know, pumpkin, now that you're 13, you'll be ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? Number eight of the 10, top 10 things you'll never hear dad say, I've noticed that all your friends have a certain hostile attitude. I like that. Number seven, here's a credit card and the keys to the car. Enjoy. Number six, what do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating isn't good enough for you, son? Number five of the top ten things that you will not hear dad say, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. Number four, well, I don't know what's wrong with your car. Probably one of those doohickey thingamabobbers, you know, that makes it run or something like that. Just tow it to a mechanic and just pay whatever they ask. Number three, no son under my roof is going to live, no son under, no son, no son is going to live under my roof without an earring. Quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. What do you want to get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. And possibly the number one thing you'll never hear a dad say, what do you want, what do I want for Father's Day? Uh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Well, actually, they might say that, but they don't mean it. Father's Day varies from country to country. In Canada, in the United Kingdom, in the United States, it's celebrated on the third Sunday of every June. It's also observed on the same date in Qatar, Argentina, France, Greece, India, Ireland, Mexico, Pakistan, Singapore, and Venezuela. In Germany, Father's Day is marked 40 days after uh, Resurrection Sunday, while Australia and New Zealand celebrated on the first day of September. Russia considers, continues to the Soviet tradition of celebrating Man's Day on the Defender of Fatherland Day, which is February 23rd. It also marks the first mass draft into the Red Army. In Thailand, Father's Day is on December 5th. Uh, the, it's the birthday of King Buhumbol, Buh, 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 excuse me, uh, who is considered the father of that nation. China celebrates Father's Day on August 8th, the eighth day of the eighth month, because the word for eight in Chinese is ba, and the term for father is ba-ba. So when your kid's saying ba-ba, ba-ba, it's actually, it might be dad instead of bottle. The appreciation for fatherhood dates back to at least 1508 when history's first mention appeared in Southern European tradition. In the United States, Father's Day was not celebrated outside of Catholic traditions until the 20th century. Uh, that particular date finds its origin when Sonora Smart Dodd, the daughter of a Civil War veteran, William Jack Smart, was 16 years old and her father became a widower and was left to raise his children alone. According to historical reports in 1909, she was listening to a Mother's Day sermon when she realized the need for a day to celebrate fathers, including her own. 
Inspired, Dodd drew up a petition for the first Father's Day, which she said she would celebrate on her father's birthday in early June. Dodd convinced several local churches and communities to participate, but they pushed the date to late June, giving them more time to prepare. Dodd convinced, or excuse me, she continued her mission, determined to elevate Father's Day to the status of a national holiday, and in 1970, the U.S. Congress passed legislation on Father's Day national status, and President Nixon signed the resolution into law two years later, recognizing Father's Day nationally in America. Now, the message that I'm going to minister about today is I I recognize that in our society is becoming more and more obsolete. But we're not called to mix with the culture. We are counterculture. The Bible will always be, in most instances, counterculture unless the culture lines up with the Bible. I realize that what I'm going to preach today is increasingly obsolete, and it is very, very unpopular. And I will say this, it is much easier preaching to the choir uh, within the uh, sanctity and the security of our own four walls. However, living out this message is far more complicated outside of these four walls. There's a lot of pressure in our world and specifically in our society on fathers, on the nuclear family, and on all things biblical, and it is amazing today what is being called godly. Father's Day is not a biblical day. God did not ordain Father's Day. It's not one of the feasts of the Lord. It's not one of the special days that we are commanded in Scripture to observe and to commemorate and always remember. However, honoring our parents is the first commandment in Scripture that came with a promise. A father's role is one that is increasingly more difficult to define, primarily due to our society's disregard for God's divine order of things. If you, all you got to do is turn on the news, all you got to do is just, you don't even, I don't even know if you got to go that far, just simply be breathing, and you can understand that uh, the world in our society is, if not already there, is headed for a complete upheaval to where if my child walks in and says, I am a cat, we are encouraged to just believe them and to do whatever we can to support them. It is total confusion. And the next word that I'm going to speak to us needs to really sink home, I think, in our society. It is a godless day in which we live with that kind of thinking. If we carry out the role as our heavenly father has designed, if we fathers carry out the role as our heavenly father has designed, it is guaranteed that we will be successful fathers. Now, see, we all think that, we all think that, 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 that carries with it a, a specific bar that has to be hit. I would tell you the only bar that you have to hit as a father is the biblical one. Again, I know that's not popular today, but uh, I, just, I just simply believe that the Creator has got pretty pure and sound advice. And now I know the Bible is increasingly less popular, and I know that it has been increasingly uh, uh, nullified as, the, as a book of absolute truth. However, 
I am the Lord and I do not change. And he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And from the very beginning, before he even, and from the very beginning, the Bible said he declared the end. And he knew everything in between. His advice is sound. It has been said by uh, Adelaide Stevenson uh, that paternity is a career that is imposed upon you without any inquiry as to your fitness for it. That is why there are so many fathers who have children, but so few children who have fathers. If we're going to be biblical, and I would suggest that that is the way that we must go, we must be biblical. Can I get somebody to say amen on Father's Day here? We must be biblical. And if we're going to be biblical, there is a starting point for us fathers. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul tells us, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and love them as you love your own body. One writer said, Theodore Hesburgh said, the most important thing perhaps that a father can do for his children or his family is to love their mothers. You know, in our society, men treat women like objects. And it is more of a, and it is increasingly more obvious that the Lord does not want us fathers to treat our wives as objects. He said, no, I want you to love them as Christ loved the church. You see, it is one thing to adore somebody. And I'm here to say something to us ladies today. God has given your husband a heaven-sent heaven-ordained commandment to love you as he loves himself, to love you as Christ loved the church. You see why that is so complicated today, man? Because doing it the biblical way is not the easy way. Somebody said amen. It's not the easy way. It is not the, the path of least resistance to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It takes a self-denial. It takes a self-sacrificing spirit and it takes a relationship with God to see it through to its fulfillment. Man, if we're going to be fathers in our home, if we're going to do the greatest thing we can, we must love our spouses as Christ loved the church. I know, and please don't read into anything that what I'm saying. I'm not casting stones today. I recognize the difficulty in society. But can I just say this? I'm going to. The reason we have all these problems in society is because we've gone away from the way God said it ought to be done. And I know that people before they knew God had situations in their life and since coming to God, we recognize, listen, man, I've made some missteps and the Lord has forgiven me. He's covered that under the blood. And from this day forward, I'm going forward and I'm gonna do this thing God's way. I recognize that we have that in our society. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. That does not mean if you train them to be apostolic, they'll never leave it. That's not what that means. If you train them to be Baptist, they'll never leave it. If you train them to be godly, they'll never leave God. That's not what that means. If you train them up in the way that he should go. I thank God for fathers who teach their sons 
to give everybody honor and respect. That as a human being, every person in the world deserves your respect. You don't have to trust them. They earn your trust. But hear me today. I don't know if anybody tells you somebody's got to earn your respect, they lied to you. Nobody's got to earn your respect. As a human being, you ought to respect them because God gave them life and he breathed into them his own breath and they're standing before you as an equal. And we ought to always have respect and honor. We always ought to give that respect. And, and, and I understand if somebody loses that respect, then you have to deal with that. But until then, we give someone respect. We give them honor. We teach our sons, our daughters to give honor and to give respect. And we give them an ethic. That's what it's talking about. If you train them up in the way that they should go and how they're supposed to treat their fellow man, then when they are old, they will not depart from it. They'll keep respect. They will keep honor. They will keep a certain ethic in their life. One father is worth more, George Herbert said, than a hundred schoolmasters. Walter Shearer Sr. said, you don't raise heroes, you raise sons. And if you treat them like sons, they'll turn out to be heroes, even if it's just in your own eyes. Frank Clark said this, a father is a man who expects his son to be as good a man as he meant to be. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible teaches us that we are letters. We are known and read of all men. That means specifically our children, and our children read us every day. It is not, we are not letters of ink and paper. It is not do as I say, but we are letters of action. My father didn't only tell us how to live, but he lived and he allowed us to watch him do it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy that fathers are supposed to be providers for their family. Now we automatically consider this as rent and food, but it is an across the board responsibility. Lucille Ball was asked in an interview uh, before her death, uh, he, the, the interviewer said, Merv Griffin was the interviewer, and he said, he asked her a very serious question. He said, Lucille, you lived a long time on this earth, and you're a wise person. What's happened to our country? Imagine him asking that back in the 60s. Well, I could see where maybe they were asked that in the 60s. But the 60s looks like a church bus compared to today. Looks like a, oh, I was going to say it looks like, a, it looks like some mega churches today, but anyway. He said, uh, what's wrong with our country? What's wrong with our children? Why are families falling apart? What's missing? And Lucille Ball answered without hesitation. She said, Papa's missing. Things are falling apart because Papa's gone. And if Papa was here, he would fix it. Proverbs 13, 24 says that he that refrains and keeps his uh, correction back from his child hates him. But he that loves his children chastens them. Psalm 103 tells us that compassion is a dad characteristic. In Luke 15, the Bible teaches us that fathers never give up on their children. First Chronicles 29 tells us in Scripture that fathers pray for their children. A godly father is an unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. A man who puts on the full armor of God and with that armor goes to warfare on his knees for his children is a force to be reckoned with. And I know that in our society, we don't grab a hold of that. But I am here to tell you that the greatest thing you can be for your family men is somebody that loves them with all of their heart, 
with all of their mind, with all of their strength, and you be a man that knows how to get a hold of God. Being a, being a biblical man is not being a man that, that lives in pride and never admits his failure. No, the strongest man is the man who with all of his heart can lead unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The strongest man in the building today is not the one who's the best with the tools. He's not the one who's got the most money in the bank. He's not the one that's got the most followers on Twitter and, 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 and Facebook or Facebook and all of those things. It's the man who knows how to touch God. It's the man who can go into his prayer closet and talk to the Lord and receive instruction and then lead his family accordingly. It's the man who knows how to submit. It's the man who knows how to break. It's the man who knows how to say, Jesus, without you, I can do nothing in my family. Now, the society in which we live gives us all kinds of alternatives on how to raise a family, but I'm standing here. If it's my last message, hear me. However the home goes is how the world goes. We've been saying that for years. However the home goes is how the school system goes. However the home goes, I'm really gonna pull us out of the water now. However the home goes, that's how the church goes. If we get the home right, if dad, we get us right, and we do it the Bible way, when we come together in the house of God, we won't have to worry about a move of God. You know, dads, before you understand this, the greatest example we have is the heavenly father. The reason he takes our role seriously is because we are in society from man to man and from man to our society. We are a representation of God as a father. It is serious business to be a Father, and I know there's a spirit of laziness in our world. I know there's a spirit of passed along to somebody else, but I wonder if there's fathers in this building right now. You can feel it churning in your spirit, and you can see, you can rise to your feet and be a testimony and say, Pastor, and before the Lord and every every witness in this place, I don't want to pass the baton onto somebody else. I don't want somebody else to do it. I want to do it by the strength and the help of God. I don't want to be lazy. I want to do what God has gifted me to. I want to do it, God. I want to be the father that I'm supposed to be. And man, anybody in here who doesn't have marks on their record, you haven't been a father very long. Stick around. God's a God of mercy and a God of grace. Listen, so long as we do it his way. I can't labor here. I got to be done in 10 minutes. But listen. We, we, I, I know I would keep going back to our society. But there's a scripture that said, we talk about all being the grace of God. There's a scripture that said, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You know what that means? That if you want to live in your pride, you will not get any of his grace. We cannot get God's grace holding to our own and being, being full of pride. We get God's grace when we break before him. A man came home, a story was written in an article. A man came home work from late, late from work again one day and tired and irritated. He found his five-year-old son waiting for him at the door. Daddy, can I ask you a question? Sure, what is it? How much do you make an hour? 
Dad got mad and said, that's none of your business. Why do you want to know? I, I, just, I just wanted to know, can you please tell me how much you make an hour? The dad wants to sit down. He wants to relax. He said, if you must know, I make 20 bucks an hour. The little boy sighed and bowed his head looking up, and he said, Daddy, can I borrow 10 bucks? Father flew off the handle and said, if the reason you wanted to know how much money I was I make so that you could hit me up for some cash to buy some toy, then you march yourself right into, straight into your room. You go to bed. I work long and hard hours every day, and I don't have time for this. The little boy quietly went to his room and shut the door. The dad sat down and started to get even madder about the nerve of the little boy. How dare he ask me, uh, ask questions only to get some money. And after an hour or so, the man calmed down and started to think that maybe he was a bit hard on his boy and maybe he, uh, the, he really needed some money for something important. So he went to his boy's room and said, son, are you asleep? He said, no, I'm awake. I've been thinking about that maybe I was hard on you earlier. It's been a long day. It took, and took out 10 bucks and he gave 10 bucks to his boy. The boy sat up, beaming, he said, thanks, daddy. Then he reached under his pillow and he pulled out a wad of crumpled up bills. The dad, seeing the boy already had some money, then started to get angry again. The little boy slowly counted out his money. He looked up at his dad. The dad was fairly upset and demanded to know what was going on. Why did you want more money if you already had some? And the little boy said, because I didn't have enough, but now I do, Dad. I've got 20 bucks. I'd like to buy an hour of your time. My dad not only... Moody Monthly said this, my dad not only kept his promise, he said, but every year he renewed it. And it's the greatest gift I ever had in my life, for I am the result of my father's time. I wonder if we will understand in a spiritual sense that every one of us are here because of our, our heavenly father's time. And he took time. When he's God, could do anything he wanted to. He could have he just created this thing, the thinking of the world. He could have just created this perfect with no sin and no nothing and everybody would just be, then we would just be serving him because it's in our DNA to do it. And we won't have a choice, but there's something about having a choice. There was something about the scripture that God so loved that he gave there's no way to prove his love for humanity unless while we were yet sinners, he would die for us. He could say he loved us all that he wanted, but it had to be proven. It had to be proven. In our society, I know I keep referring to that, but oh well, as I hasten bring it in here to a close. Uh, we have a society, and it is ever increasingly more pressure. Dads, you're under a lot of pressure, along with mothers. We already had Mother's Day, so we're doing fathers today. But parents are under a tremendous amount of pressure. And uh, that pressure uh, is, is, is not a biblical pressure. All kinds of advice, all kinds of... Um, new age stuff that comes from the mind of a man that at its core rejects the very principles that are found in scripture. Fathers, we got a choice to make. We're either going to be a biblical father or we're going to be a worldly father, but you can't be both. Because let me tell you, I'll tell you something that I told my, my oldest son a long time ago when he wasn't living for God. I said, I love you, son. 
and anything that I have is yours and whatever we can do to help you. I said, but I want you to understand a divine truth that if you continue to go your direction and I continue to go the direction that the Lord has got me on, there is going to come a day when you're going to have to get off the fence and you're going to have to make a choice because this very truth is going to separate fathers from sons and mothers from daughters. Because truth and lies cannot stay together in the same, a house divided cannot stand. And let me tell us something, if we just think that the church is going to whistle a happy tune and we're just going to walk the yellow brick road and look at life through rose-colored glasses until the Lord just takes us on out of here like we're going on right now. I don't know what you've been reading and I don't know what, uh, what, what, what sleeping uh, uh, um, uh, trance that you're under, but we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Fathers are going to have to make decisions to be biblical fathers. Mothers are going to have to decide to be biblical mothers. And pastors are, are going to have to decide to be biblical pastors. And saints are going to have to decide to be biblical saints and not religious saints. Can I get an amen in the building today? All I'm here to tell you today is, Dad, you can do it. Mom, you can do it. Saint of God, you can do it. God gave us the strength. The Bible said I can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. But to show his strength, you've got to stand on his word. If you stand on his word, he will display his strength. Doesn't mean that the wind won't blow and the storms won't howl and the the storms won't come and the rains won't fall. Jesus said it's going to beat on all the houses. But the one that stands is the one who's built on the word of God. Oh, let me dismiss something. Biblical families aren't perfect families. You don't go without having any kind of scuffle here or there, any kind of disagreements or, you know, the son might be a prodigal son or daughter. They get a little sideways or mom and dad. That's not, listen, I'm going to dispel something. We don't get the perfect family until we get there. So stop judging God based on all of the turmoil and all the tribulations that we have to live through because we live in a fallen world. What I want you to focus on is keep doing this thing biblically and what's going to happen one day. You're going to be blessed here on earth. Absolutely you are. God will keep you from some things. He'll protect you from some things. He will bless the work of your hand. He will be in your home. There ain't no doubt about it. I'm telling you right now, I've got confidence that there's angels that will come around my home anytime I ask the Lord. Lord, to send them. Anytime I say I need a little extra, I believe in those things. I believe it because it's in the Bible. And when I pray it, I expect that it's going to happen. I don't have to see that it's going to happen because this is a walk of faith and not a walk of sight. But if we keep on keeping on, if we keep living biblically, there's going to come a day when we're going to be standing and the godly are going to be standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and everything else is going to fall. Keep being a biblical father. Keep loving your wife. Keep loving your children. Keep on keeping on. We have a society today that wants us to be our children's friends rather than their fathers. I would tell you this, that our children are not emotionally, morally, or intellectually equipped to be our confidant and co-decision makers. They are not equipped for this. We live in a society today that if an eight-year-old boy 
And I want you to understand something about, I'm going to say this quickly, 20 seconds, this gender confusion stuff. For you to say, ah, that's a bunch of hooey and, 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 and that child, that's a bunch of garbage and that, 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 that stuff doesn't exist. I'm here to tell you something. Since the fall of man, anything is possible in a fallen individual. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But hear me. They might be confused. And they might be battling some things. And you know one of the reasons why they're battling it? It's because we've got a social media thing that's pumped into our homes 24-7 and they're seeing whatever they want to on there and they got friends on Facebook and all this other stuff that are sowing this garbage into If you feel like you're uh, not a man and you're a girl, then you need to go ahead and follow. And they're getting that pumped into them. Where are we, Mom and Dad? No, forget about it, Mom. Where are we, Dad? Where are we, Dad? How do we know what they're going on? I don't want to. I don't want to go on, go go against their privacy. Let me tell you something. If you're living under my home and my roof, you ain't got much privacy. You ain't got much privacy. And I I know I love my Maddie. I love my Maddie girl, but she knows if I walk I, if I walk in and I if I want to turn the TV off, if I want to turn it off, if I want to unplug it, I'll unplug it. If there's something that I feel is getting a little sideways, we're going to talk about it. Because it's not about just simply letting it go and letting it be. Dad, you've got to take a stand whenever the stand needs to be taken. Whoever it needs to be taken with, you need to ask the Lord for the strength and the grace to be a father that we're supposed to be. It's a friend's world. God's looking for fathers in a friend's world. As a friend, he taught me. When I say he, please forgive me. I know when I say he, that that, that doesn't work well. So this man taught me to play sports. As a father, he taught me that sports never come before God or his purpose. As a friend, that one fell right down there. As a friend, you took me to a game. But as a father, you took me to the house of the Lord. And I do want to say this in our society. Dad, thank you. Thank you for not allowing coming to the house of the Lord, to a revival service, to a prayer meeting. Thank you for making that non-negotiable. Thank you for making that non-negotiable. Thank you. As a friend, you took me around influential people. And as a father, you taught me there's nobody like Jesus. As a friend, you bought me my first car. As a father, you bought the truth and you never sold it. As a friend, you showed me a way to make a lot of money in the steel industry. But as a father, you showed me you can have it all. Just give me Jesus Christ and the kingdom. And last but not least, there were times as a friend, Dad, that you said, well, if you want to, go ahead. But as a father, you told me, son, you must be born of water and spirit. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Dad, that you taught me that my calling trumps my career. I thank you for character and integrity. I thank you for loyalty. I thank you for security and stability that you placed in our life. You know, if there's one thing, all many of these things are absent to today. You know why many of these things, character, integrity, stability, security, and loyalty is absent today? 
because you got to go against the flow and make some tough decisions and you got to persevere in order for us to have those things in our life. Finally, Father, if you, I could call, Dad, if I could call you anything, I could call you faithful. You know, our money, our resources, the breath in our very lungs do not belong to us. It all belongs to God. But there is one thing that we have that when it's all over, we can present to the Lord and say, this was mine to give. And that is our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. Stand with me. I'm five minutes over. Dad Fest has already gone off the rails. Perhaps you're in this building today, and, and, and uh, yeah, just give me a piano player. Just come with somebody, just give me somebody here to get a little angelic sound flowing through the building to help the preacher preach a little better. Maybe dad's passed today. Maybe dad's no longer with you. I was talking to Julie the other day, and she was talking about our trip to the sand dunes, and, and uh, she said something that kind of sparked my heart. You know, it might be the only thing she's ever done in her life that's ever moved me, but... Um, kind of brother would I be if I didn't pick on my little sister but um, I'd probably be a better brother (laughs) since we're talking Bible stuff here but she said uh, you know leaving the sand dunes she said every year we leave there and she said it kind of hits me emotionally because if the Lord tarries one of these times it'll be the last time we do something as, as a family if the Lord doesn't if the Lord tarries and it's appointed of an individual wants to die and then the judgment. Will this be the last one? I don't know if we'll have next year. I don't know if we'll have next year. So maybe, maybe your father's already passed on. Maybe dad's gone. Somebody wrote this quick testimony. They said, most people don't fix much of anything anymore. The toaster, the blender, the folding chair. They break, they shrug, they throw it away. They buy a new one on Amazon, delivered right to their door. We see the despair in the news, in the papers, and on the streets. We stop, we look, we shrug, we move on. Someone hurts our feelings and we may stop calling, we may stop caring. We the grandchildren, excuse me, we the children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We are those of people who would, who would not throw anything away. Not even a perfectly good piece of dental floss. But often, we throw away so much and we fix so little. My dad died last September after a 10-year journey with Alzheimer's, spent mostly in silent in his nursing home wheelchair, asleep in a diaper and a bib. The work of his hands was done. Now his tools are mine, his, air, his aprons too. Those tools were old when I was young, and they're even older now. They're dirty, they're worn, they're scarred. They're etched with the memory of a dad that I miss so much who worked so hard to fix what could be fixed. Can I stop? Can I stop right there? And can I ask us just to close our eyes? I feel the Lord dealing with us right here. What can we fix, Dad? What can be fixed that needs to be fixed? I want to urge you to fix that. There's only one thing that will prevent you from fixing it, and that is our pride. That is our selfishness. Oh, a man who measured straight and true, then he acted. No Michigas, never throwing a child, a family, or a used tea bag carelessly away. I keep trying to. 
I keep trying also to fix what's broken with the imperfect tools I've been given to fix and to not discard, to care and to not shrug, to remember and never forget that what is fractured can be healed. Even my heart this first Father's Day without him. Maybe you've had an absentee father. Maybe you grew up with one that was never around. One who didn't finish. I love the words in that song. You finish what he started. Maybe you had a father's absentee. He didn't finish what he started. We don't always agree, Dad, but I'm going to tell you something. Me going forward and me being able to complete my life, it does hinge on you finishing what you started. And it's still not over. And in the witness of everybody, if there's any way that we have offended or hurt our fathers, we ought to fix it. I remember a service when I was 19 years old. Sound booth was right back there where Dan was, and it was down. There was a telephone back there. We had a move of God, and I felt the Lord deal with me. Call your father and tell him that you love him, that he's your hero. And so I did. Music was playing. People were worshiping all over the building. It was a Sunday night service. It was probably 8, 30, 9 o'clock. Things were rolling. And I just got back there and was yelling as loud as I could because I knew it was loud in the building. And I remember, I don't know if you remember that phone call that night or not, but I do. Listen, maybe you had an absentee father. I want to tell you that there is one. There is one in the building right now who always finishes what he starts. I wonder if everybody under the sound of my voice can just raise your hand, every man, woman, boy, and girl, especially you fathers today. (laughs) Especially you children today. You mothers today. You didn't have a father. He was absentee. I'm here to tell you, he'll finish what he starts. You can have the best dad, but without the Lord, oh, it only goes so far. But you may have had the worst dad imaginable. You may have had the worst individual in your life as a father. You may have somebody who was never, who just, they were terrible. But if you get a hold of him today, I will tell you as we get ready to just ask if you want to find a place to pray if mothers want to pray if children you want to pray with your father if you want to you want to encourage them we'll ask our fathers just to come start moving toward the front here and we're going to pray with you our families are going to pray we're going to pray for you our family is going to pray with you I want to put a scripture up on the screen as you're coming we're going to all read it together 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 it's the only scriptures that are we have today but though there be many that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be many gods and lords many. Verse number six says, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. I'm gonna give everybody a secret today. Wholeness is not found in the world. There is no wholeness without the Lord. You cannot have a whole home without the Lord being able to work freely in that home. And dad, it has to start at the head. It needs to start through us.
there is no hold us. Can we raise our hands all over the building? If you're there and you got your father next to you, maybe dad's not here with you, uh, you can have somebody stand in if father's at a different place. If you've lost your father, if you've had an absentee father, then I want to encourage you right now to reach out. And I know in this life,